Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. I'm excited tonight. I, we have a guest speaker that I have been wanting to have for a long time. And I've been wanting him to come up. I wanted him to share his story. And then we got into a series on asking for a friend. I'm like, oh, he's going to be in town. But there's a question that keeps coming up. I can't tell you how many people ask me, can God still use me? Could God use me? I know God could use that person, but you don't know my story. And I said, well, I have a friend. Let let us let him tell you his story and just what God did and what God could do. And I believe you guys are going to be greatly blessed. Will you guys please give a big warm welcome to Joel Valley? Thanks, brother. Hello, hello. Thank you so much. I am super excited to preach here. You have no idea how excited I am. One, because I'm alive because I had caught COVID. Hey, thanks. I got COVID a while back. I was hospitalized. And those of you who know, who follow on social media, I almost died. And I was on full-time oxygen with a machine helping me breathe for seven months. Seven months. And then uh, after that, they finally, I got the rolling tank. You know that rolling tank? I had that for another four months after that. I'll tell you what, I get on stage, preach the gospel with that oxygen. You better believe it. And so I'm really happy to be here. The second reason I'm, I'm happy to be here is because this is where I heard the gospel that changed my life. But Pastor Dwayne, and he has been a mentor, and he taught me a lot of stuff early on, still teaching me today. In fact, my healing from COVID came through watching Res Life Online. I don't want, I want to, I'll, maybe I'll come back and tell that story, but it was powerful. It was a powerful. So if you're online, read, like watching online, welcome. It's, it, this is an amazing place for you to be. Now, I want to start off by saying, can, can God still use me? That's, you know, you guys are doing a series. Can God still use me? And this is a question I pondered a million times. And when you hear my story, you're going to be like, oh, that's why he pondered it. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but before I get going, I want to start with a verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you not, do not believe the power of this verse, after I'm done today, you will see the power of this verse. But to tell you everything, I got to go back. This is, this is crazy. I'm looking at the faces here. And there's more people in here that are part of this past than any service I've ever preached in my life. It's crazy, you know? And because I'm from here and I did a lot of bad things, so I'm glad they got security. I got Chuck right on hand in case anyone's still salty for any of the bad stuff I did. I apologize, okay? But uh, I grew up, um, you know, I'm actually here doing my dad's funeral. Uh, He passed away. I did his funeral on on Tuesday. And my father was a, we had a very uh, weird relationship. He was uh, alcoholic, uh, abusive both physically and mentally. Um, But, you know, in the end, he came to know the Lord. Praise God, right? 
And, uh, but my mom was, who's here, I mean, I'm telling you, you guys are getting the good treatment. My mom's here right now. She was a single mom raising all these kids. And, and you know, we, some of us had different dads. So I have an African-American sister. I got a Puerto Rican sister. I got me. My brother's got a Japanese kid. So right away, you can see we're called to the nations if you see a family picture of us. <laughs> right? And, and we grew up. And, and you know, there was, there was always a lot of drinking. Uh, my mom liked to drink. I'm going to throw her under the bus. So, you know, we like to do our drugs. And so I, drugs were always around the house. So I started doing drugs when I was eight years old. Started doing marijuana. By the time I was 13, I was already doing cocaine, crack, LSD, everything I could put in. And uh, because of that, you know, I didn't get much schooling, didn't get much, you know, I was just, I was dealing. My mom couldn't pick up, you know, she would, you know, work hard and buy food for us, pay the bills. But, you know, I, if I wanted good school clothes and not hand-me-downs, I had to go out, sell drugs. If I wanted to eat at lunch, I had to go out, sell drugs. And one time I'm at school and a guy comes up to me and says, hey man, having a big party. I want you to come sell some drugs, make some money. So I was like, cool, I'll be there. So I go to this party. I should have known something was up when there wasn't very many cars there. And I didn't hear really any loud music. There's no people making out in the front yard. I'm like, what's going on? This, what kind of party is this? And I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'm early and I'll just get the jump on the other dealers, you know? So I go and I knock on the door and a, an older gentleman opens. I'm like, oh, narcs, man, cops, man, I got busted. But the guy grabs me and he says, so glad you make it, come in. And he grabs me and now I'm even more confused because I'm in this guy's house and there's kids there, but you can tell they're not partiers, right? <laughs> And I'm like, what is going on? And I'll never forget, his name was Brent Burns. He's from this area. Some of you guys might've known him. He, he was here, I don't, you know, uh, when I was young. And he was a youth pastor and all these kids were his youth room. And what they do is they throw these fake drug parties and they invite the worst kid in the school to come and minister. Yay! Oh, yeah. You're cheering, but that's borderline kidnapping too. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, and he sits me down and he puts a Jesus film on and he asks me, he says, Joel, are you ready to give your life to Christ? And I said, man, you know, I said, listen, do I have to stop dealing? He said, yes. I said, do I have to stop using? He said, yes. And I said, then no, <laughs> you know, I just wasn't ready to hear that. And I said, listen, if you can promise me you'll buy my clothes or you'll, you'll, you'll get me some food, then I'll make that decision, you know, but... If you can't promise me that, I can't do this. And he said, you have to trust in God, Joel. I said, Brent Burns, you seem like a nice guy, but this isn't for me. And I walked away. And I always wonder, I think back about that day, if God was, he was reaching out his hand saying, Joel, come here, because it's about to go down. Life is about to go hard. You know, what I'm about to share with you guys was literally hell on earth for me. And God was probably like, Joel, you don't have to go through hell. Jesus died on the cross. He went to hell. For, he'd rather go to hell for you so he could have heaven with you. You know what I mean? And, and, and so I was like, okay. I just, I rejected his hand. And I wish I would have taken it at that point. Because what happened after that was crazy. I was dealing. 
I actually lived uh, on top of the Harley Davidson shop on division with my cousin Pete and my cousin Jen. Actually, my Aunt Jean's back there. It was her house at that time. And I'm dealing out of this house that I got to buy. I have to buy large amounts of acid for, for this place. So I go to my dealer and I buy a book of acid. If you get hit with a book, it's prison for a long time. And I remember I was there with my dealer and we're, we're smoking pot, we're smoking crack. And I took about what I remember was six hits of acid. And acid, if you don't know, it's a little piece of paper. You stick it under your tongue and you trip for like eight to 12 hours. I took six. And I went back to my home and that was the day I died. I didn't die physically, but I died mentally for sure. And I got a paranoia that came on me so strong. I didn't know what was reality, what wasn't reality. I'm telling you, I can't explain schizophrenia to you guys or paranoia, but it's like everything, like I'm talking to you and I'm talking to real people, but they're not really there. And I started to see people that, and I thought they wanted to kill me. And when they did catch up to me, they would punch me and they would kick me. And I felt every punch and every kick in my mind. It was so real. And I was like that for a really long time. And finally, I called up my mom. I said, I, I messed up. I messed up. You got to come get me. You got to come pick me up. So she comes. She picks me up. Paranoia every day, every day, every day. And the problem was I was even, I was so paranoid. I couldn't even eat my mom's food because I thought she was trying to poison me. And I got down to skin and bones, just ribs. And my mom is a beautiful Latin Mexican lady. She makes some really great chicken enchiladas. And I'm looking at those things. <laughs> I hadn't eaten in a long time. I thought, man, well, if I'm going to die, I might as well die eating, right? So I took a big old spoonful I'm eating. And I kid you not, I just started throwing up blood all over the place. We got in our big, huge, blue Cadillac-looking thing. We used to call it Jaws, I remember. Just call it Jaws. We got in there, rushed me to the hospital. They went inside my stomach and they found three major ulcers and uh, just sores all down my intestinal tract from having paranoia 24 hours a day, all the time, paranoia. And they're trying to figure out why does this 14-year-old kid have like the belly of an alcoholic 80-year-old, you know? And my mom said to me, Joel, tell him what you tell me. Tell him about the people you see. Tell him about the paranoia and everything. And so I, they bring in a doctor and I tell them all these things. And I told him, because uh, this is going to date myself, but I used to watch a show called Cheers. Does anyone remember Cheers? <laughs> Look at you sinners. Okay, I'm just kidding. Ah, <laughs> uh, so I, 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 used to, I told him a story that I'd be sitting there watching Cheers and Sam Malone and Cliff Clavin, they would just stop and they'd look right at me and they would tell me I'd have to kill my stepdad. That's how bad the, the schizophrenia was. But boy, when the doctors heard that, that caused all kinds of problems. They brought in psychiatrists and at that day, they labeled me legally insane, paranoid schizophrenic which doesn't look good on a job application. I'm just gonna put that out there, right? <laughs> and they wanna put me in a mental home. So I'm, and my mom, you know, this, I wanna give props to my mom tonight because she fought 
to keep me out of the mental home as much as possible. We still had to go in, still had to get evaluated, still had to take the, the, the drugs and the medicine that they were giving me. But some of the rules for me to live with her was every weapon had to be out of the house. Uh, had to take the, 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 the knives, everything. Social services had to come and visit us. I had to be, make sure I was on my appointments at the mental home every time. And her husband, who was my stepdad, had to leave out of the house since he wasn't immediate, he wasn't immediate family. His life was in danger. And she did that for me. She sacrificed that. And it was, it was a crazy time in my life and I was like, God, you, I, I didn't say God. I, I didn't know God yet. But I remember thinking, what, what am I going to do? How can I get out of this trap that I'm in? And because most of my days, no lie, were spent taking medication that they had to give me. And I sat in a chair all day and I drooled on myself. The biggest thing I accomplished was the size of the puddle that was on my, my, my shirt at the end of the day. Now, had you seen that kid sitting in that chair drooling on himself, you would not believe that he would be up here one day talking to you guys. But God is awesome. And God has a plan, a plan amen. And that plan started with the, the medication. They, they finally got the medication to kind of work okay with my, with my mind. And I was able to re-enter society little by little. I always had the paranoia. I always had schizophrenia. But with the medication, it kept it at bay. And so here I am re-entering society, going to school again, trying to start my life over. And have, I'm sure some of you guys can relate to this when you're, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my life right. I'm going to start doing good. I'm going to you know, get my life on track. And the devil comes and he just hits you and he hits you and he hits you. And I just wanted to stay off of drugs and, 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 and stay off of drinking. And the first hit that I took, we come home one day. And we, don't, we don't know why, but my stepdad, my, my mom's husband, took a gun, went out in the woods and blew his head off. And that was hard because it was, the hardest part was watching my mom cry 24 hours a day, asking the question, why? What happened? What went wrong? And I didn't have God in my life. I couldn't say, hey, let's pray about this. You know, let's, you know, you know, let's, 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 let's read the Bible. I had none of that. All I could say was here, drink this, smoke this, snort this. That's all I could offer her. And because of that, I started drinking again and I'm out doing some stuff I shouldn't have, sinning, because I was good at that. And I'm sinning one day, I'm out there doing something. And around the corner comes Brent Burns. You guys remember Brent Burns from the beginning of the story? He walks around the corner, Joel, what are you doing? Something I shouldn't be, you know? And he says, you give your life to the Lord yet? I said, no, you know, it's having, you know, I'm pretty busy, you know, you know, I just ain't got time for this kind of churchy stuff. And then again, again, I just, he's reaching out. God's reaching out again. And I slapped that hand away. And I wish I hadn't, because it got worse. The next thing that happened, now I got to take you back a little bit. When I'm fourth, in fourth grade, a man, he's a, a young man, about 
18, 19 years old, shows up at our doorstep. He looks like he just came out of a rock man, the coolest guy I'd ever seen. He's at my door. I'm like, why is this guy here? That's the day I find out I have a brother, an older brother, and he's come to live with us. And it was quick. My brother was quick to see that my father had dropped the ball on, on raising me a little bit. And he picked that up and he taught me how to, to uh, you know, talk to, to ladies. He taught me how to uh, stick up for myself because I was always bullied when I was younger. He taught me, he just all these things that your dad would teach you, he taught me. And now at this time in my life, rewinding, he calls me up, he, he had started a band and he was in New Jersey. And they just got signed, just had a record deal. And he just had a baby. And he said, hey, we're going up to visit you so you can meet your nephew. And I was so excited. I'm just so excited. And it's about 12 hours from New Jersey to uh, get where, to where I was staying. And 12 hours comes and goes. I don't hear none. Then 14 hours comes and goes. Then 18 hours comes and goes. And then you, I got that phone call that no one wants to get. There'd been a car accident. My brother was killed instantly. And his girlfriend lost her arm. And thankfully, my nephew is alive. And that rocked my world. That rocked my world to lose my brother, but also my father figure. And I began to do more drugs. And one day, I'm... I'm out sinning, doing some bad stuff. And sure enough, I run into Brent Burns. <laughs> and Brent Burns says, Joel, you gave your life to Christ yet? I said, no, not yet, you know. Hit me back next week. I'm kidding, I didn't say that, but <laughs> I, I hadn't done it. And God reached out his hand again, and again I slap it away. And I didn't know what to do with myself. I had lost my, my stepdad, I had lost my brother, I still had my friends, and my best friend, his name was Josh Dykema, and we grew up in high school. Some of you might know him, and uh, he lived up there on Ivanrest, and his dad was an amazing man as well. I used to go to this house, and it was kind of like my sanctuary, and his dad was one of the only few people that used to go, hey, Joel, how are you doing in school? Hey, Joel, do you need a place to sleep? Hey, Joel, have, when was the last time you ate here? And he would offer me something. And on top of that, he would let us all party there at his house. So it was kind of cool. But someone fell asleep with a cigarette and the house caught on fire. And everyone had to get to the second floor and bust the window out and jump. The jump was so high that his sister broke her arm on the way down. And everyone made it out of that house, except for my friend. I tell this story a lot, and it's still hard, but. Losing my best friend was even harder than losing my brother. Because your brother is family, and you love them and their blood. But my best friend, I chose to love him. I chose to trust him. I told him things I didn't tell anyone, not even in my family. 
And just like that, he's gone. And I remember his, his dad had a hose, a garden hose, and we're talking about a fire that lit up the whole block. It was so bright. And with a little hope, he had this hose and he's screaming, Josh, Josh. Nothing. At some point, his father ran off and no one knew where he was. And I got in the car and I was driving around all the streets over there in, you know, in Granville and by 28th Street. And I finally found him. And he got in my car. And it was the most awkward silence that I've ever had. And I didn't know what to say to him. I couldn't say, hey, you know, let's pray about this. Let's, you know, I didn't have any verses for him. And so we just sat there because what do you say to a man who lost his family or his, his son, his pictures, his home, everything in a fire? And after that, I just, I lost it. Luckily, through the community and through some charities, they were able to build them a new house to live in. And the first night that they stay in that house, the father passes away of lung cancer. And now I'm at my fourth funeral. And I remember just losing it and starting to do heavy amounts of drugs. And I didn't even know how, how, how I was going to, what I was going to do. My brother was in a band. So I'm like, okay, I'll start a band. I don't have a dream of my own. I'll complete his dream. And I started this band, which led to more problems. And one day I'm out sinning because I did that well. And I was out there, and sure enough, guess who turns the corner? Brent Burns, right? It's like, it's like this guy had a magnet for sin. And he's like, oh, Joel's on the clock. Ooh, let's go over here, you know? He just come right after me. And he says, Joel, have you given your life to Christ yet? I said, no. And he would talk to me about Jesus. I said, listen, man, at this point, I said, how can there be a God that is... When a, in a world that's so cold and that's so evil and with death around. There's no way. But you see, I only knew one side of the story. And a lot of people out there that don't know the church and don't know the Bible only have one side of the story. Anytime something goes wrong, they blame God. You know, if something, they're having a bad day, they blame God. Something didn't go their way, they blame God. But they don't understand that we have an enemy called the devil who's out to steal, kill, and destroy says he's a lion seeking who he will devour. Devour. Think about that word. Not bite, not kill, not hurt. Devour. Rip apart. He hates you guys. He hates me. He hates Christian. He hates people, the human race. I didn't get that side of the story. I didn't understand that. And again, I rejected. And this would be the last time that hand would be extended by Brent Burns because I don't know if he moved or what happened but I rejected that hand again. And here I am, I'm in this band, I'm doing all kinds of drugs, and I wish I'd have taken that hand because it got bad. The paranoia came back. The, the medicine that I was taking to, to keep people away, that people I thought that were trying to kill me, I threw it in the trash. I said, come get me. So now I'm unleashed on this world as a schizophrenic, and I'm destroying everything in my path. I became so evil. Look at this picture here I got for you guys. Zoom in on that face. 
That's me. Pure evil. Just, I would hurt you. I would leave you in a pool of blood for $5 if you owed it to me. And I, it got so bad, then the paranoia came back so bad, I would destroy everything in my path in like two seconds. I got pictures up here someone sent me of one of the times right there. That's my house after a rage of like just two or three seconds. To go to the next picture. If you see, I'm just sitting, on, that's my leg, and I'm just sitting on top of the entertainment center, and they're waiting for me to come back to reality. Finally, I decide it got so bad, I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't know what was real or what wasn't real. The only way to know was to cut my body. If I was here in front of you guys with a shirt, you would just see all the scars from me cutting my body. And I, I just didn't want to be here no more, and I slipped my wrist. I wake up in the hospital. The doctors see all the, all the scars. See, I slipped my wrist, and then I'm back in the mental home drooling on myself. All those years have gone by and nothing has changed. I've accomplished nothing. But God had a plan. I'm going to tell you that plan. I don't even know if I have time for this video. I'm going to show a video real quick because that's a lot to swallow. But this video was, a video was sent to me because I just told you guys four deaths that were around me. But there were a lot more, so much that we decided to set up a camera and film ourselves talking so we had something to play at our friends' funerals. And someone sent me that, this video. Now, there's some words that are bleeped out, so I'll apologize for that now, but they're bleeped. So let's check it out. Joel Valley. I'm 18 years old. Had a lot of up. traumatic experiences, but there's a lot of people here that have too. A lot of bullshit. Everyone's got to deal with. It. Something wicked is what he comes again. He said. In his words, I'm his citation of bread. It fails. Clash of times, they don't remind of death. What's it? What are your goals? I'll make it to at least 30, you know. Crazy, huh? New creation, wouldn't you say? Now, I really have to move because I'm running out of time. Uh, but so here I am, not knowing what to do, in the mental home, and some things happen. God really starts to move. The first thing he does is my mom gets radically saved. That's a whole nother story, almost a book. And I could uh, tell you on another day. Yes. And, and then... And then I'm in the mental home and the psychiatrist is talking to me about Jesus. And I don't even know if that's legal. I don't even know if he can do that. He starts talking to me about Jesus. 
And then I'm, I'm, I, I get in this uh, inpatient, outpatient uh, type of, I can go in the mental home, I can go out and stuff like that. And I get a job at Herman Miller where I'm just throwing uh, stuff into trailers because you can do that drunk, you can do that on drugs. And I meet Moses Alexander. And if you don't know, Moses Alexander has a, a church in Grand Rapids called Acts Gospel Ministry. He's here tonight, right there. And so he says, hey, you should come to Res Life, Joel. You need Jesus. And I was like, oh, here we go. Another Brent Burns. And so, but then I had the greatest idea I'd ever had in my life. I was like, wait a minute. Everyone's talking to me about Jesus. I know. I'll go to this church. I'll put my hand up. I'll say, hallelujah, whatever you want me to do. And I'll say, God healed me. And I'll tell them, and they'll get off my back. I was going to use God to hustle these people. Man, God hustled me. I walk into Rez Life, and then he pulls out his trump card called Dwayne Vanderclock. Dwayne's up there preaching, God can heal, God can free you of your drug addiction. Bam, bam, bam. I didn't stand a chance, man. And I was just, and for the first time, that gospel reached my heart, hit me, changed me. After the service, shortly after I was with Moses, he says, do you receive Jesus, Joel? I said, I don't know. He said, why not? <laughs> I said, I don't know. He said, let's do it. Let's, right now. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And we said the sinner's prayer, and I heard a voice. And it's like an audible voice. Only time I've ever heard an audible voice. I've been saved 20-some years now. But that's okay. One time was enough for me. Because what he said was so good. He said, your life, as you know it, is changed. And in one second, the paranoia was gone. In one second, the drug addiction was gone. In one second, the alcoholism was gone. And I never looked back. I never looked back. And I was like, what am I going to do now? Can God still use, can God use me? Can God use a drug addict? Can God, ex-drug addict, can he use an ex-schizophrenic? And by chance, I meet this one guy, I didn't even know him, he had nothing to do with Res Life. He talked to me about Christ for the Nations, and he even filled out my paperwork. Next thing I know, I get a call saying, hey, you've been accepted to Christ for the Nations. I was like, you have the right number? Like, I was just like, this is crazy. And next thing you know, I'm off to Christ for the Nations. And I meet this kid, he's from Georgia, his name was Matt you know, Southern boy. And I meet him. He's from Georgia. I'm in Michigan. We meet in Texas, right? Because I get there. I'm still, I'm smoking. I'm cussing like a sailor. They're like, you can't smoke here. I'm like, what the blankety blank you mean? I can't. And I'm all just, you know, and they're like, whoa, calm down. I was like, what kind of seminary is this? I can't, I'm just kidding. But like, and I, and, but this guy, Matt took me under his wings, taught me the ways, taught me about faith you know, and everything. And uh, let me show you a picture of us. I look a little goofy, don't tease me. But this was us when we started Christ for the Nations. And this is us today because we have such a good friendship. We're still friends today, right? And he took me, and I'll tell you what, when I was at Christ for the Nations, I remember after two years, this ex-drug addict was walking on stage and receiving the diploma, much like these people did today. And I remember I was so proud because it's the only thing I had ever accomplished in my life. And I did it. Why? Because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, right? And I'm so excited. I got this diploma. I'm so happy. And 
Matt's, Matt, me and Matt and my mom's there, his family's there. And Matt says to me, Joel, Joel, I've been talking to my family about you. They want to meet you. And I said, okay. And he says, dad, come out, come over here. And he turns the corner and it's Brett Burns. What are the odds of that? A, th a million to one, a billion to one, that a, ki a kid from Michigan and a kid from Georgia would come here and it was his son. And he got to see all the seeds that he had sown. And when I got baptized here at Resurrection Life and those seeds got water, he got to see the fruit of that. And me and Brent are still friends to this hey, day. My name is Brent Burns and I'm honored to know Joel Valley. My life was transformed at 17 after a drug party. The Lord came into my life. Greatest thing that ever happened to me. And I've been sharing that story ever since. Joel's one of my favorite stories of somebody who's come over for our parties, whose life has been transformed and who's come from a place of being so far from the Lord and to see what the Lord wants to do in someone's life. And so if you're praying for somebody, don't be discouraged. Joel's a great example of what God wants to do. Amen, right? Listen. Listen, God is good. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God is good. God is good. What are the odds of that? You don't think that God has every detail planned of your life? Look how detailed that whole thing was. Look how we orchestrated all of that. The Bible says he knows every hair on your head. He can, he can take care of all those problems. He, can, he, is, he knows every detail of your life. But some of you, you just keep slapping his hand away. Don't be like me. Let today be the day that that changes. Let's bow our heads. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you just saw how much he loves every person. I can't go home tonight. I can't sleep in my bed tonight unless I extend this invitation to you. Maybe you've never walked with God. You've never had a relationship with God. You've never asked him into your heart. If you want to do that tonight, you're going to get your chance in a second. Or maybe you're this other person who you knew God once. You, were, you had a relationship and maybe you kind of slipped away and you know you're not where you should be and you want to rededicate your life. If you're one of those two people, right now I want you to just raise your hand. I'm just gonna pray. You don't have to come forward. I just want to see your hand because I can't leave tonight without knowing, without giving you this opportunity. Are there any hands out there? Someone that wants to give their life to Christ. I'm looking. I see one. Thank you. I thank you. I see your hand too. Right there in the middle. You can put your hand down now. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? See your hand in the back. Thank you. Awesome. See your hand right there. Thank you. I see it. Excellent. 
Let's just, church, we're gonna pray with them. Repeat the prayer. And if you, if you uh, ro- rose your hand, please just say this with your heart, with all your heart. Give your, give your life to God tonight. And church, we're gonna, re- we're gonna help them out. We're gonna, we're gonna pray with them. Say, oh God, come in Jesus' name. I believe he died on the cross, shed his blood, paid for my sins. And after three days, he rose again, victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And right now, God, I ask for forgiveness. I receive the gift that you've given me of salvation. Forgive me for my sins. I am your child, God. Thank you. I turn my back on my old life. I'm going to live to serve you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.